Welcome, welcome everyone. My name is Sean, and today I want to talk to you guys about the Brendan Deppa case. This is the case you might have seen the video from eight or nine months ago, where a 17-year-old kid brutally and viciously attacked his teacher, or in reality, a teacher's aide, over the confiscation of his Nintendo Switch. Now, this was a viral video. It was all over Twitter. People were throwing out their commentary related to it. It was a six-foot-six, 17-year-old black kid attacking, I believe a 57 year old white woman so you could understand that there were a lot of reactions to this story and I think that me myself on Twitter might have quote tweeted and told a joke about it and then decided not to make a video on it until more information came out and the reason why is because initially I didn't understand what the exact motivation was behind a 17 year old initiating this vicious attack against the teacher also when I cover crime stories, I look for policy failures as things that we can change rather than the most brutal event. Well, it turns out waiting is actually the preferred option because new details have emerged and it turns out the story's a little more complicated than initially thought. There's more to it than that 30 seconds of surveillance video, which is the most brutal thing that you'll see in a public school, except for that North Carolina stabbing that happened last week. So, that's what we're going to talk about today. But before we do, I want to say thank you to everybody who signed up over at actualjusticewarrior.com slash join. Give me the money. Give you, give me the money. Okay? And thank you to the podcast listeners, Spotify, Apple, and Google's podcasting platform. I am so sorry for what my son did. And um, nobody, nobody should ever have to go through that. But at the same time, please consider that my son has had a hard life. And he's gone through so much trauma in his life. He has autism. Please show mercy to him. So I'm not going to show you this video because my video will be age restricted and fewer people will see this. And that is just not a good thing. But linked in the description under where it says sources, you will find the link to this. And I suggest you watch it because this was a brutal, vicious attack. It's devastating that um, my heart is breaking. Um. I'm terrified for my child. I, you know, I feel like if he gets sentenced to prison, it's a death sentence for him. Um, He's scared. And to have your child call and cry and say, I don't want to die. It's it's awful. And I don't understand why that um, in his IEP, it was stated that in the intensive behavior group home that he was living in, if they ever had to remove it as a consequence, they called in the crisis team. And um, the original IEP called for a token economy for um, so he could you know, to motivate him to do his work. He could earn uh, tokens to then go to like a snack closet. Um, this year, he had a new teacher who um, is not Joan. Joan was not his teacher. She's a para. Um, he had a new teacher who um, it was her first year teaching. And she didn't I don't know if she didn't understand the IEP, if she didn't read it. But she approached the group home and asked the group home to send it in. That being said, with the new updates to this story, my joke commentary on Twitter from about eight or nine months ago, whenever this video initially emerged, was completely wrong. 
I was wrong because it turns out that there's some interesting information related to this kid and to this story, and there's actually a third party at fault, and we got this information from the adopted mother of Brendan actually doing a news interview with News Nation, and I want to cut to some of the clips of that so you can understand what we're even discussing. Leanne, thanks so much for being on with me. Um, As a mom, I'm just sort of curious how you're processing all of what's happened. Um, it's devastating that, um, my heart is breaking. Um, I'm terrified for my child. I, you know, I feel like if he gets sentenced to prison, it's a death sentence for him. Um, he's scared. And to have your child call and cry and say, I don't want to die. Um, it's, it's awful. So initially when I saw the beginning of this News Nation segment where you have the adopted mother crying, sounding very melodramatic about how her son going to prison is essentially a death sentence and how he cries every day on the phone with her, I thought that this was going to be some complete and utter objective nonsense. However, it was very important for me to see this story all the way through because I did want to talk about it eight or nine months ago. However, there just wasn't enough information and it turns out that the mother's emotional state is not backed by nothing. In fact, it's backed by something incredibly substantial, and that is the failure of the Florida state education system. So can I ask, was his his autism, was that ever brought in uh, in, in the litigation of his case and in the plea deal, uh, especially as pertains to the sentencing? Because 30 years in adult prison is a very long time, especially for a 17-year-old kid. So I got to clear something up because this is the internet.com and the word autism is kind of the most overused thing ever on the internet.com because what we're talking about is not internet autism. It's not, I'm weird, I'm socially awkward, so I call myself a divergent from that knockoff of the Hunger Games series. This is actually a legit, real diagnosis of autism that is backed up by a long series of paperwork that actually had specific instructions on how to care for Brendan in the public school system. And by the way, many of you are thinking, if somebody has these series of ill diagnoses and they have all these problems, should they be in public school? Well, it turns out the answer to that question is no. However, the state of Florida removed that choice from the mother and placed him in the public schools under the promise that he would be cared for in that institution. And this is why things get really bad. There are a few things I think that, you know, the audience should know about your son. Um, Autism isn't the only disability that he's living with. Uh, There's a a host of special needs that your son uh, was coping with and that the school was supposed to be accommodating for. Let me just go over some of it. There's, of course, the severe autism. And then there's uh, ADHD, attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, something called oppositional defiance disorder, which is, as it sounds, It makes a child uh, extremely defiant and oppositional to any, I mean, even getting breakfast uh, can can be a battle. Um, Reactive explosive disorder. That's another condition that that your son is coping with. Now, look, one of the things that I did for this particular story is run this by my fiance. The reason why I did that is because she actually grew up with a relative that had autism that went to a specific school in New York City or had specific classes with kids who also had autism to let her determine based on the facts of what was being stated without knowing the overall context of the case on whether or not this sounds like it makes sense. With all of that list, why did the school even allow a Nintendo Switch to be part of any aspect of his day? 
you know, that's something I ask every day, and I don't understand why. That um, in his IEP, it was stated that in the intensive behavior group home that he was living in, if they ever had to remove it as a consequence, they called in the crisis team. And um, the original IEP called for a token economy for um, so he could you know, to motivate him to do his work. He could earn uh, tokens to then go to like a snack closet. And it turns out this sounds like it makes a lot of sense. You have a kid with a series of diagnoses. And normally, at least in New York, in New York City, that kid would be separated off into separate classrooms or be separated off into a completely separate school where you have people that specifically cater to the needs and to the illness that the child is afflicted with. However, in this particular case, not only do you have a kid with all these diagnoses being thrown into what seems to be an ordinary public school, but apparently they gave this kid the Nintendo Switch and then took it away without actually going through the process of doing so, which is really unfortunate. And by the way, the paperwork, the IEP, which is the Individualized Education Plan, which is a report that is tied to a child like this, was completely ignored during this whole process. So you have a kid that is essentially a ticking time bomb. He's a ticking time bomb, not due to the fact that he is violent just for violence sake, but due to the fact that he has a series of medical conditions that basically let you know, and by the way, there's a history of this, that he could pop off in this way, and all of that was ignored by the public school system, and then we got the vicious and horrible results that we actually got. Now, to be clear, the teacher's aide in this instance, definitely a victim. She had multiple broken ribs. Again, the video is linked in the description if you want to check it out, because this was, in fact, a violent attack, and I understand why the school resource officer upon arrival placed this kid in handcuffs and why initially so many people were outraged but the thing is if you have the paperwork that says that your kid has all these issues and the public school says you're not allowed to homeschool the kid and over your objection they put the kid in the public school with the promise that they're going to take care of your kid and then they violate the well-documented paper trail on how to care for your kid the responsibility for those actions is on the school it's on the schooling system not solely on the kid who initiated this violent attack in his iep it was stated that in the intensive behavior group home that he was living in if they ever had to remove it as a consequence they called in the crisis team and um the original IEP called for a token economy. So as the mother explains right here, you have this individualized education plan that was specifically for this kid. This is how he was managed in the group home, and this is what the protocol is for educating this kid how to motivate him and how to discipline him. And in that IEP, it says that if you are going to remove something from this kid who has all these disorders, you need to bring in the crisis intervention team because this kid has a rage issue because he is six foot six, incredibly strong. And obviously, you don't want a 57 year old woman to go one on one, go toe to toe with this kid because we saw the results. On top of that, if you're trying to motivate him in a positive way, and again, this appears to be by all of the reporting backed up by the source documents that you are supposed to motivate him with snacks or whatever, and I know this sounds weird and unusual, but the thing is, this kid is quite literally diagnosed with a weird and unusual medical condition. We went through a process to where um, we were not able to reunify with him and bring him back home because of the limitations of seeing him in that year 
um, due to COVID. And so uh, he was placed in an intensive behavioral group home. And I questioned it at the beginning. I had always homeschooled him because he didn't handle the school environment. I asked um, the group home, you know, did he have to go to public school? Could he not do school online? And I was assured by them that all of their um, clients went to public school. So even though he was a level six and um, I never thought he belonged in public school, I didn't have a choice. So this is the part to me that is absolutely crucial. You have a mother. Obviously, she cares about her kid. And obviously, I'm not blind to the fact that she is going to be advocating for a kid, especially when he's facing a 30-year sentence. Because even though he was 17 and initially charged as a minor, those charges about two days later were upgraded to adult charges. That was concerned about the group home's assessment that this kid should be sent to public school. She questioned it. She explained to them. that she specifically homeschooled him because he did not do well in the school environment. That's also in the history. That's also in the paperwork. It's also well documented. But the group home assured her that it would be totally fine. And the school had every capability of caring for her child, which is a huge problem considering they did not have those capabilities or they did not have the follow through with those capabilities, especially with the new teacher, because they did not follow that protocol. We can see that for ourselves we can look at how you're supposed to remove stuff from this kid and how you're not supposed to do it and they followed the not supposed to do it category we can look at how you're supposed to motivate this kid versus not and they did the not motivation now brendan has actually pled no contest to the charges that he's faced he's essentially going with the strategy of throwing himself to the mercy of the court hoping the judge won't put him in prison for the maximum sentence, which, by the way, is 30 years on these charges. And I actually do think the court should grant that mercy to this person. If you're going to sentence him to anything, sentence him to a behavioral hospital, somebody that can cater to his medical needs, so that way he's not put in prison with hardened criminals because it does not send the right message that the state can fail in such a way as they did right here. And this kid is the only one who faces the consequences for it i'm not saying you ignore the fact that the kid has these violent tendencies i'm not saying you ignore the fact that this happened i think the woman at the center of this the victim in this particular instance has a great case for a lawsuit against the public school system based on them not filing the protocol but the thing is the point of justice the point of punishment the point of deterrence is that you want to prevent this behavior from happening again but the behavior that actually needs to be corrected in this scenario is not necessarily the behavior of this kid who we had all the paperwork all the protocols all of the procedures to prevent him from lashing out in this way and that wasn't followed it's actually the behavior from the state who failed in their duty of care after making promises to the mother that everything was going to be all right even though she warned them about this she was worried about this they have an iep specifically to prevent this and none of that was followed so yes this video is vicious yes six foot six 17 year old attacking a 57 year old woman is never going to be something that i am okay with and it's not something that i want to ignore but the thing is we have to take things in their whole totality and it's okay just like i was with my initial reaction on twitter for you to acknowledge that you were wrong in this particular case based on everything that i'm seeing based on the long paper trail i was wrong This was not 100% on this kid. In fact, it's an institutional failure, and the idea that you would punish somebody who is not the victim because he attacked somebody else, but who is not a part of that institutional failure 
for that failure doesn't make any sense to me, and it's not justice. This kid needs to be granted some level of mercy. Like I said, if you're going to divert him to some place that is not home, not the group home, and you're going to keep him out of the public school, which I understand makes perfect sense, then you should put him in a place that can cater to his medical needs, not surround him with violent prisoners. Now, to be clear, there is a threat from this kid. No doubt about it. I believe the reporting is saying that there are three previous battery charges. However, unlike a normal circumstance where I'd look at past criminal history and say, get repeat offenders off the streets. The fact is, this is all priced in to the IEP. This is all data that was worked with in order to craft how to interact with this kid, and this is why he should not have been in the public school in the first place. That group home, the Florida State Government, they did a bad job. They botched this. They had at least three battery charges, three separate indicators, medical diagnoses, a parent that is advocating for this kid, and a group home assessment, and they didn't follow those protocols. They let this kid in the public schools. So yeah, while that normally would be indicative when you're talking about a regular kid of a criminal history that you need to watch out for, in this case, it's a level 6 autist. I don't know what that means. I don't know what their rankings are. I don't know if that's like Super Saiyan 2 or maybe Super Saiyan 3 level, but the point is... That's a big deal. Now, you know, I feel like if he gets sentenced to prison, it's a death sentence for him. Now, look, I don't know how true it is that a prison sentence for a level six autist is going to be a death sentence. But honestly, based on the way that things go down in state penitentiaries across this country, I would not be surprised if this did lead to the death of this kid, especially if he got 30 years and he wasn't put in some kind of protective custody or some kind of program in the prison in order to deal with his conditions. The fact of the matter is, it is very unlikely that the state of Florida has such a program. The fact of the matter is, it is very likely that this kid will end up in general population. And when you lash out like that in an environment where there are violent people that are specifically going to test you, going to try to punk you, and all those other issues, I think it's just not right for us to do that as a society. And if he were to be sentenced to the full length, I think Ron DeSantis would have to step in and grant this kid some level of clemency. What happened was absolutely horrible. My heart breaks for the teacher's aide, who was unbelievably viciously attacked and injured, had broken ribs, all of that. But the thing is, the school is at fault here. It's just an objective fact that that is true. Is this kid violent? Yes. Is this kid dangerous? Yes. But the fact of the matter is, he was in the trust and care of the state of Florida, and the state of Florida violated that trust and violated that duty of care. Now look, I'm going to link some articles in the description of this video if you want to read up more on this case, if you want to know about the history, if you want to know about the long trail of paperwork that backs up and supports the claims of the mother in this particular case, and if you want to form a more informed opinion than what was first presented to us by just the viral video but i want to know what you guys think down in the comments below if you like this video then show me by leaving a like subscribe for more content follow me on my social media support me via the support links in the description of this video this has been me talking about an institutional failure that is being presented as an individual failure till next time